Welcome to our service today. It's great to be with you. Today I want to talk about the master's life, that is about Jesus, prayer and faith. Our Bible reading today will be from Luke 11 and verses 1 to 13. Let me read them to you. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Would you just bow with me? as we spend a moment in prayer and ask the Father to lead us by his Spirit. Our Father, it is our delight to be those who have called upon you as our Lord and Saviour, the one who in mercy and grace has made it possible to know the truth. We would ask that at this time, your Spirit, as he is accustomed to do, will work in the hearts of each of us and continue to transform us to be a little bit more like our Lord Jesus. Help us to have ears to hear what your spirit says today. And we pray that for Jesus' sake and the glory of your name. Amen. Uh, by means of introduction, this is the third in a series based on master life. Over the past couple of weeks, you have looked at the first two aspects of becoming a disciple of Jesus. Week one, focused on the centrality of relationship with Jesus based on his love. Week two revealed that a life of faith is based on what God says as we live in his word and our obedience to that as an expression of our love. Now, this week I'll share on that expression of relationship towards God through prayer. In the past, uh, I have talked what it means to listen to God, to hear from God in its relationship with prayer. Our focus today will be based on what Jesus revealed about a life of prayer and faith. The person we are in our inner being will be revealed in our relationships with others. 
Our relationship with God is revealed in our communication with him, how we pray. It's an expression of our obedience, the things we say and how we behave. It speaks to our inner life and our external life. Our focus today will be about the nature of our communication with God. Let me remind you that it's a relationship based on his grace, but our cultural experience in Australia is based on works or performance. We must base the nature of our prayer on the nature of our relationship with God. It is one of grace, not of works. It's one of dependency. Uh, John reminds us, apart from him, we can do nothing. Anything eternally significant comes out of an abiding relationship. Our cultural experience has it that, that you and I need to pray more effectively, uh, more often. But we know we have busy lives and it leaves little thought for prayer, let alone time for prayer. Our lives run without so much prayer, we think we can get by without praying at all. And for many, prayer seems to be difficult and distant. And for some, it's just a personal interruption for what our real personal ambition is. Grace, on the other hand, brings us freedom to become who we are in Christ. Measuring performance leads to independence from God and self-sufficiency that is contrary to the very need of grace. Prayer must be couched in the whole aspect of grace. As we look at uh, the background of prayer, I want you to see, first of all, what is the significance of prayer to Jesus as a Jew. Uh, we must remember that the Jewish nation valued the practice of prayer. It was the school in which Jesus learned to pray. Following Jewish custom, uh, he learned to pray three times a day. There was a time called the morning prayer at sunrise, bright and early. It had two main parts, what's known as the Shema and the Tefillah. The Shema is the basic Jewish creed taken from Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 7 and declares that in all that we do, a life is to be expressed as a relationship with God. The Tefillah was a hymn made up of a series of blessings. Uh, for instance, by the end of the first century, there were 18 different blessings or benedictions that would come out of that. The first benediction ran, Blessed are you, O Lord, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, most high God, Lord of heaven and earth, our shield and the shield of our fathers. Blessed are you, O Lord, the shield of Abraham. So the series of benedictions was part of the formal nature of prayer. Uh, there was also uh, evening prayer, which was the same as the morning prayer. And once again in the afternoon at about 3 p.m., at the time of the evening sacrifice in the temple of Jerusalem, and this consisted only of benedictions, blessings. And to these particular formal occasions, there were private petitions added by each person uh, following what was the set of prayers. So special times were also set aside for special prayer and they took part of Israel's liturgical cycle. Uh, but prayer was also expressed in life circumstances. And when we look at Jesus, we'll see some critical moments in Jesus's life. Now, the influence of the Psalms in Jesus's prayer can be seen most clearly 
in his prayer from the cross. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A direct quote from Psalm 22 and verse 1. He learnt to pray by following the prayers inspired by the Spirit and set before him in the daily liturgy of Israel. Uh, of course, there was much more to Jesus' prayer than the traditional Jewish model. He grew up in a way which was deep with intimacy with God. And he spent hours and hours alone with his father. He went far beyond the traditional Jewish practices. But this tradition was his school of prayer. The prayers Jesus was taught at home in the synagogue, the tradition of these people, laid the foundation for his unique relationship with his father. Uh, let me explain some of the insight that we gain from the New Testament in the prayer life of Jesus. Uh, firstly, in Luke 5, 16, this was part of his general practice. Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. In Mark 1, 35, it declares, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Mark 1, 37 to 38. They found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. This was just after he'd been praying. And he said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also, for this is what I came for. Despite all the glamour and the, the hype that was happening at Capernaum that day because of the healing from the night before, Jesus knew that his aim, his desire, was to do what his father asked of him to fulfill the ministry that he had for him. At his baptism, when he was commissioned by the Father for his ministry, we see this revealed. Now, when all people were baptised, Jesus was also baptised. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. Also, on the night before he chose his disciples, he prayed. At his transfiguration, he prayed. Before he healed the deaf man, he prayed. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he prayed. Before he asked his disciples the crucial question, who do people say that I am? He prayed and he taught his disciples to pray. When they returned from their first mission, he prayed. On the night before his passion, he prayed. Would you not come with me and pray, he declared to them. Prayer animated his whole ministry. Prayer that was learnt first from the liturgical traditions of Israel in those three daily hours of prayer and in the, in the, in the synagogue uh, Sabbath services too. And these general life of Jesus impacted his disciples. His disciples saw him and when they saw him, they said to him, teach us to pray. Said to them, not about how to pray, not a, a formula for prayer, but to learn to pray. Uh, we're going to look at this in more detail in the passage that I read to you earlier on. We're going to look at it under the headings, the significance of prayer, a sample of prayer, the steadfastness in prayer, and surety in prayer. Firstly, the significance of prayer. Verse 1, it happened that while Jesus was praying, I want you to get a handle of that. Jesus was praying, the incarnate Son of God, the one who was God in the flesh. 
in the mystery of his incarnation, spent time to be with his Father. An example of an intimate relationship with God. This is what it says in John 5, 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. He lived out of an inner relationship with his Father, a dependent relationship. And uh, as a Jew, he was one who was obedient to the law in all things. But he was much more uh, than just uh, a, a Jew in the sense of the common community. He later became our high priest to provide not only the access to our Father, but the forgiveness from all the ceremonial rituals. And uh, he was praying uh, as an example to others. His life revealed what it can be like when we have a dependent relationship on our Father. Jesus was praying in a certain place. After he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. John was a wonderful example to the disciples of Jesus, many of whom were part of that. See, John was one filled with the Spirit before birth. John was one who prepared the way. A prophet, a man set apart by God for a particular purpose in the history of Israel. And he taught his disciples to pray. And his disciples saw that. Jesus' disciples saw the significance of prayer. And they knew that they had great need of it. These men who lived in the presence of godliness knew how important it was to pray. By comparison, how great is our need? How great is our need? Uh, I want to look to the next uh, uh, section, which is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, as a sample of prayer. Uh, as I grew up, it became a, almost uh, something that was said by rote, without very little thought for it. Uh, today, I want you to look at it in terms of its uh, as a sample of what constitutes part of a, a prayer based on a deep relationship with God. It begins with, to our Father in heaven. It's really personal, isn't it? Our Father, uh, not my brother's father uh, or my wife's father, but he's our Father. He's my Father. Wow. That's an incredible privilege to have. But it's also a protective place to be. He's a father. A father who will care for his children. A father who wants the best for his children. Not only a protective father, he's a powerful father. Our father who art in heaven. Wow. One who is the most powerful of all beings is our Father. The one who determines the destiny of humanity is our Father. A powerful, powerful man. And into this, as we see this sample, it speaks not just about our Father in heaven, but for the priority of his glory. Our prayer is not about us, essentially. It's about who we are in relation 
to God and the glory that it brings to him. Our needs will become, and we'll see that later, an expression to the glory of God, not simply our own selfishness, but a dependency upon him. It's the priority of his name that as we pray, we're declaring to others that there is no other name under heaven, no other name that is to be revered. The name of our God, our Jesus, the one who is eternal, the eternal spirit who dwells with us. Hallowed be his name. Holy is his name. Separated for the, the, the process of purity. The priority of his glory. Seen in his rule. Your kingdom come. That it may grow as people willingly submit to his rule. One day when that kingdom will be consummated by the, by the return of Christ and all people will bow the knee before the God of creation. For the priority of his glory, it's about his will. That his will be done on earth. That's the struggle because we are disobedient, independent creatures who want to do and choose to do what we want to do rather than to submit to a loving Father. Because in heaven, as it's done in heaven, there's the tremendous angelic hosts who willingly, gleefully go about his purposes. Messengers to us for the purposes of his glory. Verses 2 to 4 goes on to declare about our needs, our material needs. Give us each day our daily bread. The Father who created all these things will provide for us that which we need. A wonderful God. The simple, simple things. The bread. As the Israelites received bread in the wilderness day after day by the hand of God, uh, we have become those who need to understand all that we have comes because of his provision. Forgive us our sins, our deep spiritual needs. Only made possible because of Jesus' atoning work. Look forward in times past for Israel. Look back now as we see what Christ has done. A recognition of true penitence towards God. How is that seen? If we are really those who are penitent, then we will forgive others as we ourselves have been forgiven. It will be reflected. We will not allow another person to be someone who we aren't at peace with as far as it depends upon us. We will have our needs met in a very moral way because the Spirit of God dwells within us, the Holy Spirit, that he will deliver us from the evil one and for all those evil temptations that are round about us. You and I can't do that alone. And we will fail. But only as we depend upon the empowering of the Spirit of God will he be the one who enables us. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, as the scriptures declare. But only as I willingly submit to him. Verses 5 to 8 uh, Give us an example of steadfastness in prayer, not to give up. 
And the example that is used within the, in these uh, few verses is all about steadfastness. I want you to, to listen again. Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friends, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Don't bother me. The door's already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. That circumstance, a tired and grouchy neighbour will eventually meet the needs of a neighbour who is persistent. So if a grouchy neighbour will do that, surely our Father will meet our needs. God, the Father, is not like this neighbour. Our God never sleeps. He's always present, always able to help us. He never gets impatient or irritable. Not like some of us at times, when we're pushed to the limit and the worst of us is seen. Our Father is always generous, always generous, and delights in meeting the needs of his children, not just their desires, but their needs. Gives to us abundantly, a generous God. And he's not like this neighbour who was slow to respond. Our God responds quickly to the needs of his children. You and I simply need to remain steadfast, steadfast until we receive his response. The next little section in verses 9 to 13 deal with the surety that there is in prayer, that we can be confident. This is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us and he will give that which we need. This is what verses 9 to 13 declare. So I say to you, that's in response to all of the, the recognition of our request, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Then the example. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He'll not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. We can have certainty in prayer, surety in prayer. Though at times it might seem to us that God seems to be deaf. He isn't. He isn't deaf. I, I can remember many times wanting an answer for things, wondering how long a circumstance will go on only to come to understand that because of who God is, his timing is right. Imagine what it was like when we look at Joseph in prison for all those years, in slavery, wondering why, why, why? 
only to see the promise that was given to him in a dream many, many years before, validated and come to pass in God's timing. Though it might appear to be that our God doesn't listen, the moment that we heard it, the moment that it was spoken, he has it answered and it will be in terms of time that it is answered when it's in accordance with his purpose. But for us, he says, keep on, keep on, don't give up. If you know that this is what God is asking, then with certainty, uh, once you know and are certain, then you can be sure. If it's for provision, keep asking until that provision that God has made clear is going to be that which is provided. Keep on seeking. There are many times in life when we want to find his guidance to know what to do. Um, it might uh, seem strange to some of you, but when I was the pastor at uh, Wynnum and everything was going so wonderfully well, uh, the Spirit of God made it clear to me that it was time for me to conclude. Little did I realise that having concluded a whole new world would open up where I would need to be available for my wife who suffered a very significant medical episode. I couldn't have foreseen that. I couldn't have foreseen what we have all experienced through COVID. But in the goodness of God, in seeking and finding his guidance, we can have confidence, not knowing exactly what might be the implication of the step, but he will lead us and keep us. When we were in Irian Jaya serving, and you as a church family were praying for us, uh, our son Andrew had uh, malaria nine times, and we wondered, should we ever return back? And God made it clear that we should return. His guidance was clear, and he never had malaria again. Knocking, opening, he will open new places for us. He is a good God. Our God is a loving Father. The, the imagery between a fish and a, and a snake is that a, uh, in, an eel and a snake can look quite common, quite uh, apparent. But a good father would never give a snake to his son rather than an eel. A good father wouldn't give a, a, a curled up scorpion that, that looks like an egg rather than a real egg. And if we who are, who are good earthly fathers, evil in our disposition because of sin, would want to give good for their children. What will our Father in heaven want to do but give that which is eternally good for us? Jesus promised that God will give his Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so the first prayer of our life of real significance is asking God that we might be saved because of what he's done, because of what Christ has done on our behalf and become those who will walk in the newness of life with him. You see, prayer begins with an understanding of our deep need of God. Prayer begins with an understanding of the wonder of his grace to us that we can do nothing. And then the Spirit of God 
will come and transform us and our destiny to be one of his forever and ever. Saved by grace, we live by grace. So as we conclude, I want you to think about what we've talked about. In the life of Jesus, our master, the significance of prayer, how he communicated all the time with his father. He didn't do anything that his father didn't see. Lived in the truth of that moment by moment. His intimacy is deeply revealing. When we are those who live in constant reliance upon the Father, that intimacy will be seen. won't just be seen in prayer. It will be seen through prayer, but it will be seen in our behaviour. For who Jesus was in the inner man was revealed in the life that he lived. The hours he spent in prayer were seen in the way that he dealt with those round about him. It wasn't a chore. It wasn't a discipline. It was an expression of a life with his father. He gave us a great sample in what we speak of as the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps we should think of it as the disciples' prayer. Teach us to pray. That reminds me that we must keep on learning, learning of our father and the wonder of his grace. Keep on learning of the need to be in a a, a relationship with him that's expressive of our need day by day, moment by moment. So in the Lord's Prayer, we have uh, something of the way in which our focus is of dependency upon him, of an assurance of his goodness to us. We are to be those steadfast in prayer, to keep on keeping on, uh, not to give up because God is shaping our character as we would do that, shaping who we would become. Will you continue to pray when everything seems hopeless? Because God has said he will do that which he has promised. We pray as those who know what God has declared in his word. That's how we pray by faith. Steadfastness in prayer. And finally, surety in prayer. God's character as our Heavenly Father reminds us that we can be confident that what he has said he will do. That's why we pray in faith. If God has declared it in his word and we understand the truth of that, he will make it happen. If he's spoken to us deeply by his spirit and we know that we know this is what the spirit of God has said, then we can be confident. God will do what he says. Ours is simply to obey. May we be those who pray in faith. Let me pray as we conclude. Father, what a delight it is to know that you have done it all. You have made it possible for estranged humanity to come back to be your children forever and ever and ever and ever. What a wonderful delight it is for us to know that you will call us to be those who will become like Jesus. And throughout this life, as we walk by faith in the wonder of your grace, simply obedient to what you've declared, becoming all that we can be forever and ever, we're thankful that your spirit is at work within us to give us the assurance 
that there's nothing that we can do, whether it's to pray every day, that will make you love us more. You love us and you simply want us to become all that we can be, that we might enjoy the wonder of walking well with you moment by moment. May we do so, our Father, for the glory of your name. Amen.